Do you ever question why the portrayal of the black community is so one-sided and why that perception is rarely challenged? This is The Last Will Be First, the podcast that redefines the black experience. This podcast is for those who are done with limiting headlines that too often hold our communities back. I'm your host, Brittany Jones. In each episode, we'll focus on reclaiming our narrative as Black people, not only in America, but across the diaspora. We introduce the marginalized voices behind the mainstream headlines and consult with experts to provide you with tools to reclaim your own personal story. Tune in for gripping stories and thought-provoking discussions that will help our community not only persevere, but revolutionize the way we see ourselves and our potential. But I believe that if you believe that everything that happens to you is on purpose, every nothing bad is happening to you. It's pushing you. This is The Last Will Be First. I'm your host, Brittany Jones. Thank you for joining us for part two of our series as we continue to introduce you to several people who have experienced past and present layoffs. As we dig deeper into the real experiences of those of us who are struggling to find a job, and look at how layoffs are currently impacting Black workers across the country and globally. In part one, you heard from Michelle Okeke, who took us through her layoff journey after recently being laid off for the fifth time. Now, she's surviving and working her way toward thriving, remaining hopeful that she will bounce back. And we all believe that. We also know that layoffs can be taxing on our mental health and impact our self-confidence. But in a recent Editor's Pick article in Forbes, it says, quote, it's vital for Black talent to focus on what an asset they are and not to be deterred by layoffs. It also says Black talent can't be afraid to showcase their talents online and be open to help from the community. Now, sometimes it can be hard to ask for help or to push forward after this experience. Trust me, I know. But we're here to tell you that it's not over, friends. And you'll learn here in part two of our series that couldn't be more true for Anisha Dubois. Anisha is a former associate producer for E! News, a public relations director for a major company, and now a voiceover talent for Nickelodeon, Netflix, and many more. We'll tell you all about it. But how did she get here? When she found herself laid off, she asked, what do I do now? She explains how trusting the journey after a layoff can help reveal your true purpose. Here's her story. So, Anisha, we've been talking about layoffs and new experiences. Tell us just briefly about your career journey and what got you to where you are today. Um, I will throughout my career journey, um, I've probably left jobs more than I was laid off of them. Um, I think I was only laid off from two, but I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason and that if you don't move, then God and the universe will force you to move, right? So um, I I just think that the, me leaving my jobs abruptly, um, that was me having faith and then me being forced out, right? When I wasn't moving quick enough and God said, okay, you got to go, you, you have to move on. Um, I think it's all helped me get to where I am. It's forced me to be, it's forced me to become an entrepreneur. And I remember working in-house at brands and for companies. I used to be so afraid of entrepreneurship because I always used to, I felt like you always had to chase your checks. You always had to like find and chase and chase down your money. And I loved the security of, um, of knowing my paycheck will be in my account every two weeks. Um, but then on the flip side, if you look at that, there's also, there are 
can also be fear in that. You know, when you work for these brands, um, they can let you know today that your last day is today, you know, and then what happens, right? So I think there's, and then you're back to try to find a check. So I think there's, um, there can be fear in, in both sides of it. But now that I'm on the entrepreneur side, um, it's everything. Like my, t- I couldn't imagine, there's no job worth any amount of money that could have me go back into an office nine to five. And it's no disrespect to anybody who's still in, you know, because some people love nine to five. I loved it at one point. But since I had a child, I, the freedom that I have, like I can work, then I can go to Starbucks. I can work and I can go to Target. I can work, then I can go play in her room, go play Barbies in her room. I just love the freedom of being an entrepreneur. And yeah, you got to chase a couple of checks, but um, the freedom and the purpose that I'm in is, is I'm where I should be. I'm where I should be. So I'm grateful for the journey here. I, I love hearing that because this is what this whole episode is about. So we're talking to people who have been laid off, um, including myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of this journey. Mm-hmm. And this is what helped me get jump started into what I'm doing today. And it's because sometimes those opportunities aren't aligned with our purpose, right? So lean in a little exactly. bit back into that because you mentioned being laid off twice. What was that mm-hmm. like for you? What was your experience? So the first time I was um, laid off, I will say each was pleasant in that I was offered a severance. So my first, the first time a layoff was coming was when I was a production coordinator at Comcast Sportsnet in DC. And um, Comcast Sportsnet was merging with NBC. So it would, they were merging and they told me, they called me in the office and they said, hey, your position is being eliminated to, and it's, it's being eliminated, but it's turning into this position. You are more than welcome to apply we just know it's not what you want because they knew that I had dreams of moving to LA. Um, I wasn't quiet about that at all. And so they said, you can, you're can you more than welcome to apply or we can offer you a three-month severance. And the way it aligned, they, say, they, they told me this maybe middle of the year, maybe like July. And they told me that my last day would be December 31st. At the top of the year, I had said to myself, by the top of the next year, I am moving to Los Angeles. So the way God worked it out for me, like how could I not see that as a sign to go forth? And I was able to move to LA and not worry and not worry about have to like try to find a job to make money, to make quick money because I had three months of severance pay. And then I remembered the fourth month came and I didn't get, I got, I got the job at E in April in the fourth month, but you know, it takes a while to get in the system to get your first paycheck. And I remember I got I don't know if they did this by mistake or somebody in HR or accounting was looking out for me, but I got an extra month. So the way that extra month lined up and then I was able to get my, it was all divine. Like when I think about it, I get goosebumps of how like, and it just goes to show like if you just trust and believe and speak forth what you want, God will take care of you. Like you are covered, you are protected. So that was the first one. It was perfect. It worked out. And then um, when I was the PR director for Australian fashion labels, um, it was, I totally understood because what they, from a business standpoint, it, from a business standpoint, it made sense. It was, you know, what we pay you and your PR coordinator in salary, we can pay a PR agency a quarter of that and have seven to 10 people working on the brand. So from a business standpoint, it makes sense. But if you know how agencies work versus having in-house PR, then you know, it really didn't make sense. And they ended up going back in-house uh, maybe like a few months later. But they also offered me a severance and it was a three month severance. And uh, I'm sorry, it was two. 
two months. I think it was two months. And it forced me to sit down. It forced me to sit down and say, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And I always felt that um, if if I can, if me and my little self and my 116 pounds, if I can get these multi-million dollar brands out into the world, I can get them on Vogue and Harper's and in Pop Sugar. Why can't I do that for something my own, right? So I basically took that and it took me a while to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. But ever since I ever since we parted ways, ever since I parted ways with um uh Australian fashion labels, I got into voiceovers full time. I was I was barely getting into it when I was at AFL, but when I we get an audition, I would have to like run to the car and try to record it. And you know, all the fashion businesses are downtown. So it's like, you know, somebody from Skid Row is screaming, it's helicopters overhead. So it all worked out how it was supposed to. <laughs> but I believe that if you believe that everything that happens to you is on purpose, every nothing bad is happening to you. It's pushing you. I would have probably still, I mean, I would have maybe tried to go to another brand, but I would have still been in-house without this freedom, you know? So I think that if you can just, if you can calm yourself from the anger of being laid off or whatever, but if you can calm yourself and say, this was on purpose, and then find your purpose, you wouldn't you won't be mad at it at all. You have extra time to work on your own business. Like if you can do what you're doing for someone else, like you, you were in newscasting, right? Why can't you broadcast things to millions of people from your heart, right? That fulfills your purpose. Um, so I, I'm a firm believer again that everything is on purpose. And if you believe that, all is well. All will be well. <laughs> Right. Let me give you a big amen to that. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, so you speak to the fact of being a super, you know, risk taker um, on this faith walk, on this faith journey. What obstacles did you hit and how did you overcome them? Um, I'll say the first obstacle that I hit when I was leaving these jobs, like my, and it, I think it goes back to different, the difference of opinions and generations. You know, these were dream jobs. Like I moved to LA to work for E! News, right? Like I, I moved to DC and I got this amazing job working for all these sports teams. I get free tickets and it was the best thing. And my grandmother, she could not understand for the life of her why I was leaving these amazing jobs that I wanted so bad at one point. Um, and it was, I think it's a difference in the generation because our grandparents, they were taught that you get a job. You stay in that job for 40 years and then you retire, then you live your purpose, right? And I think we're just doing it, our generation and under, we're doing a little bit different and that's okay too, right? We're, we're, we're I think maybe more risk takers um, and just wanting to do things that fulfills us, it uh, fills us inside knowing that the money will follow. Um, so, and, and knowing like that's where security comes from, not from a paycheck and being miserable and hating what you, don't get me wrong. My grandmother didn't hate what she did. She was a first grade school teacher for like 35 years. So she loved what she did, but so do I, like, I love like getting this dream job and then fulfilling, like I wanted, I wanted this job so bad and I made it happen. Okay. And now it's a dream job fulfilled. Now I have another dream on the way, you know, on my journey. Um, so I think that was the first obstacle, like not letting my family and their attitudes about my life and what I'm choosing to do with my life affect me. And I didn't like I was like, great, grandma, I love you, but I don't care. 
I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> um, and that was the first obstacle. And I think the second obstacle that you have to overcome is that um, when you're putting yourself out there, like when you have this purpose and you're putting yourself out there, if you're contacting people and nobody's contacting you back, you're telling them you have this amazing book idea and they're telling you, no, thank you. They're saying like, you say like, oh, I have this amazing thing that I'm working on. They're like, no, we don't want it. Like that type of rejection, um, I think that can hurt. And I think for some people, it may deter them to say, okay, maybe this isn't good enough. Like, um, like all of those, no, like all of, like the no's don't mean anything. But if you keep going after and you keep getting rejected, I think that'll, if for anybody, whatever you're doing, I think that can hurt you a little bit. Um, but, but don't let it. Like the no's don't mean anything. But if you keep going after and you keep getting rejected, I think that'll, if for anybody, whatever you're doing, I think that can hurt you a little bit. Um, but, but don't let it. Like if you just have to like, you know, don't send anything to anybody. Like I'm in this space now. I've been in this space for a while that when I'm working on something um, or if I have something exciting that I'm doing, I don't tell anybody because people unknowingly will try to kill your dreams. Like when I wanted to move to LA, everybody in my family said, no, don't do it. We don't want you to go. Bye. I still got on that plane. So I think when, whether it's family, friends, or people that you're reaching out to, when people are telling you no, like don't let it hurt your spirit. Um, And that is why anytime anybody reaches out to me, I'm so open and I'm so happy to share my gifts. You know, like if, if, if the whole world wants to get into voiceovers, come on. Like if there's room for everybody, you know? So I'm always a person that I never tell people no because I know when I was reaching out for help or mentor and people told me no, it really sucked. Um, and it can mess up your confidence a little. So I think that's something that people on this on this entrepreneurship journey will have to uh, also like overcome. So I think those are the two, the two big things that I've learned. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, because you do meet, you know, in this space, you do come into contact with family, friends, and they, and trust me, they love us. Just like you said, your great grandma, they love us dearly, mm-hmm. but they still can't see the mm-hmm. bigger picture of when it's time for you to walk out into your purpose, what that looks like for you. And you can't really like take in all of the advice and opinions from everybody because if God is showing you something specifically that he wants you to do, yeah. you got to go yeah. for it. <laughs> He's showing you, like he's showing you it. And I think I say also too, to piggyback off of that, like, and I, I, when people, like I, I stress the fact that when you have an idea, when you have an idea, God gave you that idea. That's your idea. He wants you, only you can bring that to the world, how he wants it accomplished or how he wants it brought into this world. Right. Um, there's people in this world that are counting on your gifts. Like people need you to, people need this podcast, right? This podcast is going to be motivation for millions. So like you were the only one that could bring this to the world. The passport poppy idea I had, like, like I said in the, um, when I was doing the LA County talk, I was saying like, he didn't give my idea to Tyler Perry or, you know, to Beyonce or he gave the idea to me. The idea was for me to bring forth into this world. So when you have an idea, when God gives you something, don't it, it's like, it's a diss to him not to do nothing with that gift. The world is waiting on your gift. And so when you have something, when you have an idea, move on it. So it's not hard work. It's a lot of work. Um, but just like, just to make, like, just make sure that like, 
you stay committed. Like you don't give up. Take it, do one thing a day to go to and like to get towards your goal. Like just don't give up. And I think that's the hard part when people just, they, they can't stay committed. And I think that that's the only hard part of if you, if you stay committed in it, um, like my God, like the things that like how you'll help yourself, how you'll help the world. So just on this journey, you've had those ideas for a reason. Don't leave them by the wayside. Like keep going. Yeah. And what has like some of the rough days looked like for you? And how did you get yourself back on the horse when you had those rough days? Um, I'm a big believer in like the universe of God, of course, and manifestation and thoughts become things. I'm a big believer in that, but I still have my days. I still have my days where I need to go pick one of them self-help books off my shelf, open it up to a page to get some type of motivation. Um, the roughest part I think was when I left Australian fashion labels, you know, I was making six figures. And so to go from that, having three months left of that and then having nothing. So, and I got pregnant a month later. So that was the roughest part because I went from having all of this income to having barely any because I was starting up, you know, the money that I had, I was putting into like different investments and, you know, starting well unknown, which is like my fashion uh, e-com uh, store. So I, that was the hardest part, the financial. Um, that was hard, but I think what got me through, um, I just kept going. Like, I just knew what was on the other side. I just kept going. And so I think when the times are hard or when things are hard or when things aren't working as fast as you wanted them to, just trust the timing of everything. Like, the time, like, everything is lining up. So, like, your next opportunity is not quite ready yet. He's making it ready, but it's not quite ready yet. But just keep doing your part. You'll keep showing up. And I promise you, the world will be there for you. You'll meet who you need to meet at the perfect time. You'll talk to who you want to talk to. You'll hear the perfect T.D. Jake sermon <laughs> at the right time that will put you, you know, that will align you and get you back on track. So just know that, like, try your best to keep a positive mindset. I think that, like, when when the, like when things weren't happening or if a check was late or something, I kept thinking that I'm okay. I'm covered. I still have food. I still have clothes. I'm still able to travel. Like, it's okay. My thing is coming, but it just needs two more days. It'll be here in two more days till it's like perfect for me. Or, you know, that idea that's going to change my life. It's coming. It's on its way. And, and then here it comes two months later. So just try to stay, stay like steadfast in that headspace, that positive headspace, that everything is for your greater good. So, Anisha, how did you have peace when you finally made that decision that hey I'm walking in my purpose I'm gonna do this I want to do voiceovers and mm -hmm. I'm gonna move forward regardless of all the noise how did you mm -hmm. know that you had that peace for you to make that decision um I just trusted my gifts like I trusted the gifts like how I got into voiceovers like I trusted that alignment um I'll tell the story really quickly so I wanted to, I was doing voiceovers in college I kind of took a break you know working in music choice and sports entertainment and when I got to LA I really wanted to do it but I just could not figure out how to get in I was emailing my demo to every agency out here in LA nobody was replying to me but I kept that thought in my head like I want to get back into voices I'm gonna I'm confident I'm gonna get I have no idea how but I am going to get back into it. And what happened was um, I got it. I was a PR director at Wild Fox at the time. And I had got an email from a girl saying that um, 
Well, a lady saying that one of her friends was a big fan of Wild Fox and she recently passed away and they were doing a benefit for her. They want, She wanted to know if I could donate some things for the, to auction off at the benefit. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, sure. So I said the basket of things, a basket of Wild Fox, BBJs, sweatpants, everything. And she said, okay, I'll keep you posted on how it goes. Cool. Maybe about two weeks later, she sent me another email saying, hey, Anisha, thank you so, so much. It went amazing. For the And then she had sent me a photo of the friend before she had passed in her hospital bed, like wearing a Wild Fox shirt. Thank you so, so much. I was like, absolutely. And only then, mind you, we had emailed back and forth like two or three times. Only then did I look in the, the her email signature and it said that she was the voice casting director at Nickelodeon. What? What? I mean, and this is why I stress being, keeping your eyes open for the signs because I wanted to get back into it. I stayed, you know, steadfast in how I wanted to get back into it. The agencies weren't replying to me. Like, how do I get back into or get break into this voiceover business in LA? And um, I told her, oh my goodness, I've been wanting to get back into voiceovers. I saw your, your signature. She's like, oh my goodness, yes. She said, yeah, this is the talent agency that we work with when we're casting. And she introduced me to that casting agent. That casting agent left that particular agency and went to Atlas. And I was like, can I follow you over to Atlas? And they were like, absolutely. And I've been signed to Atlas for three years. But I trust the alignment of things and I trust my gifts. And if you trust your gifts, like I know I'm a badass, sorry. I'm a bad A voice actor. I know that I'm a amazing I know that I am an amazing um, adjunct professor at FITM I literally got an email yesterday from uh, Lisa Davis who is the VP at FITM and she said the students nominated you for a professor of the year so I'm going to the graduation next month hopefully I'll win the award but like stuff like that I'm very confident (laughs) yeah thank you I'm very confident in my gifts right like I know that I could never be I can Motive, I can be a motivational speaker, but I know I can't be a preacher, right? Like I know I love interior design, but I can never be an interior designer. I'm, I'm ve- like, I love animals, but I can never be a veterinarian. But I'm, I'm very confident in what's for me. You know, I'm not trying to be out here like doing things that I have no real purpose in. But if you follow your purpose and what you love to do, you can find peace in that because you know that this is why I'm here. So if you trust your gifts, and trust and know that that is why you were here because you have to add to these particular areas in the world and life, then you can find peace in that and know that everything will come to you to fulfill why you're here. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask you this too, because uh, I'm not sure if you know what existential crisis is, but that's for some people, you know, they may have their identities kind of wrapped up into their jobs and, lose a sense of purpose if they say, oh man, I was fired from this job or I was laid off from this job, but, and and now I'm no one. What would you say to somebody who has those thoughts? Gosh, I had those thoughts. I was a, I was in fashion for like six years as a fashion PR director. Um, I wore a different outfit every day for like, since college. Um, but especially working for fashion brands, I wore, I had my closet was out of control. I wore different outfits. Like I was known for how I dressed. People came to my Instagram to see how I dressed. And so when I lost AFL, well, when me and AFL, when we parted ways, um, I wasn't posting clothes every day because I wasn't working in clothes every day. So the, the identity that I had for getting dressed every day and looking amazing every day, wearing a brand new outfit every single day was gone. 
And that's something that I still struggle with. So um, I think that is, I can absolutely relate and I still struggle with it. Like even when I do get dressed, I'm like, oh, do I still got it? Did I lose it? Uh," You know, but I will say my outlet is now getting my daughter dressed. Now she's the best dressed person. Everybody always compliments how she dressed. So I kind of (laughs) like remix it and put it back through her. Um, Well, I do want to ask you this because I'm coming up on my last question. But um, you mentioned this during a a webinar that you brought up earlier Mm -hmm. in the conversation Mm -hmm. that I was able to watch you on, which you did an amazing job, by the way, for LA County. And so there was a quote that you said, Um, that you created about being a jack of all trades and Mm -hmm. a master of none. So I wanted you to kind of tell us about that quote and how you came up with that and why. Yeah. So I, you know, when, when I was working in house at wall Fox, Comcast Sportsnet, E knew that was my only job. Like I did that job and then that was it. But becoming an entrepreneur, you do a lot of things. There's a quote out there that says, uh, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And I think that's complete bullshit. That's just limiting us. You can absolutely master as many trades as you want to so long as you commit yourself, right? Like, again, I'm not out here trying to build homes, right? I'm not out here trying to open up, you know, a Chick-fil-A or a franchise, right? I'm doing trades that I choose. I'm doing things that fulfill my purpose and I'm successful in every single one. I'm getting nominated as teacher of the year. I'm booking for Nickelodeon and Netflix and podcasts and all that amazing stuff. You know, my fashion business is doing amazing. Passport Poppy on YouTube in just three months is doing crazy numbers. So like you can absolutely master as many trades as you want to that you choose so long as you stay committed. If I have asked any of them, then yeah, you can call me jack of all trades, master of none. But everything I've committed myself to, I've I've done very, very well. Again, when I wanted to move to LA and work for E! News, I knew nobody at NBC Universal. And I made that happen, right? That was my only one trade at the time, but I mastered it. And it took me two years to master it. And after those two years, I was like, okay, I want to do something else. And that's okay. And the same thing with, you know, when I was let go at Comcast Sportsnet and let go um, at um, at Australian fashion labels, you know, I was only there a year and a half at Australian fashion labels. But I think that was God saying, you've learned all you, you've learned all you needed to learn here. You've, you've gathered all the contacts you needed to learn here. It's time to go. Like, if you're not going to go, I'm going to push you. <laughs> I'm going to force you to go. But for those of us who are purpose driven, we don't play and we can absolutely do 30 things and do them all exceptionally well should we choose to commit ourselves. Was there anything else you wanted to add that I didn't ask that, you know, some last advice that you would give to anybody else who may be going through this experience right now thinking like, um, hey, I'm at the end of my road and I don't know what's going to happen after now, after this. I would just say trust that everything has happened. Like you're here, you're here for a reason. So then trust that everything that is happening is on purpose. Like trust that he he's only going to let you fall so far, right? And even that's for a reason. So believe in that, trust in that. Share, like tell people your story because how you got it may not be how they get it, but at least you can tell them how you got it. Why not? Like who am I to keep it to myself? Like what good does that do, right? I have to give my gift to make room for more. Well, Anisha, you have been amazing. I'm so excited we're able to get you on our podcast again. This is the last will be first. And you are a prime example of how you are raising the bar. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you so much. I appreciate it. 
next on The Last Will Be First. My question to you is, is like, what do you see the vision for you as like a storyteller and as a journalist? And does this fit into that vision or is this sort of something you see as being a step to get you to whatever's next for you or what you believe God has for you? It's like he's always been pointing me in this direction to do it. I just didn't have the space and the opportunity or the time, or maybe I did and kind of just went against it and was like, uh, not now. But like this space is like, no, you have nothing else to lose. You might as well just do it. And I'm excited about it. Join us for part three of our series where we continue telling stories of resilience and a willingness to overcome joblessness. We'll tell you about what made us create this podcast and how I became your host, creating a lane for myself after losing my job. I'm definitely going to be sharing my own personal story that you don't want to miss. And I'll tell you about how those supporting me along the way is what's helping me through the process. Like the last will be first, go ahead and subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, send it to your family and friends so that you never miss an episode. This is the last will be first.